Tell me about your first show. When I look at it, I was so stressed out because it was so much outside my presentation skills comfort zone because I had to memorize and had to have it down. I'm not I'm not a present, presenter who memorizes that just never, I never feel comfortable with that, but I had to work at it. When I look back at the recording, one of the sad, so slightly sad part is that the audio doesn't really pick up a lot of the laughter. So it kind of feels like I'm watching, I'm like, oh, people didn't laugh. I'm like, no, no, they did. It's just very slight because the audio is only touching my voice. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it was, no, it was good. I, the, one of our coaches told me just to relax and go into it. I did go over my time by two minutes. (laughs) So we were overrunning. I wasn't the only one who went over and I missed the light saying that I only had one minute left. They do usually do a light sign saying, okay, get ready to fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was nervous enough to be a bit shaky, which is not normal for me. I pretty much, I think I just was open to anything happening. Whatever happens goes. I went into it. We're like, well, let's see how this goes. I did have a couple of people come up to me after from the audience who I didn't know who came up and they said they liked my stuff, which was really, I think that's the most rewarding part of it is knowing that someone wanted to make the effort to let you know they liked it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of big. Someone to leave their seat and come find you. Yeah, they found, yeah. And it was three that they were together. And I'm like, if it's three people, that means at least a few others thought so. And so my topic like you're when you do comedy, you're supposed to play on play on what people observe of you and tell them a bit about you. Cause you're it's like you're at the pub. You're you're getting to know people. So played around with my nationality. What is it? Then talked about British passive aggressive behavior because British people hate conflict and it's so funny to watch. And then you know you become really British when you are avoiding conflict and you get really nervous if you think someone's gonna confront you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this culture is so weird. I know I'm one of them now. I, I can't get away from it. Uh, then my one favorite topic is talking about infertility because it's not a topic that's talked about, but a lot of people experience it in silence. Mm-hmm. And I find that doing that bit for the first time is quite rewarding because I liked my bit on that one. I like because I take people high and low. And that's where I really felt I'm being vulnerable because I'm saying like, yet shit and you have no control and i got and i got to end with at least i um i'll never have the pleasure of telling my son he was an accident and that's i think that's where i'm like that's where i feel like it's the you get sharing it was very it was empowering sharing something about yourself that you're not sure people will relate to you know that people are learning something. So I think that the thing I like about my comedy is while I do chase the jokes and the funnies, I like to educate and I use humor to educate or at least make people aware that there is another, because one thing I find is most powerful. And this actually was one of a train wreck shows I was at. Um, It was an Elsh. We were at the corner of a pub. We had the bar just, so it was L-shaped audience. (laughs) So bad. And we were there at a workers' pub. You've been to London, yeah? No, I haven't. Okay, so the equivalent of like a workers' pub. So it's not a bar, but people are there to drink. It's a, it was a sports bar, but think a sports bar, but not as dark. Okay. And we were a, 
usually at most comedy nights, they have a, they put the comedy in a separate room above Mm -hmm. or somewhere else. So you have it like a private room. This one we were in. So think of like, if it was like a middle of nowhere biker sports bar. Okay. And okay. (laughs) Except a bit lighter and a bit more, um, point looking because it's a pub absolutely and beer we set up and it was a comedy show with two drag queens um and so our audience didn't know what was happening because they just watched the football they're there to drink after work and they're like and they're working class so think like plumber like like laborers laborers who've watched the football they were there for the football and now they're inundated with comedians and drag queens so an essence of homophobia in the air. Uh, mm-hmm. And during what, well, and we had a, we had a microphone, we had a sound system, but because every, the people there weren't there for the comedy, they just kept talking to the whole thing. So you're trying to reach your audience, but it's really difficult to hear because everyone's talking. However, when I started my bit onto my, my infertility bit, I could hear people stop talking as much and listen. Mm-hmm. And we're in a laborer's, working pub and you're thinking okay people are listening because either they're either interested or they have experienced infertility and they have not talked to anyone about this yeah and that's the power of the topic of using humor to talk about a topic that no one talks about that's very pervasive and embarrassing and i think that's when i think back my first show i felt very liberated talk like i am very vocal about it anyways but talking to a group of people who didn't expect to hear about infertility that it was it was, it's what i i think that I really enjoyed uh, the whole experience yeah how how i'm trying to imagine i'm i'm a you know i've worked all day as a as a plumber i've i've gone <laughs> to the pub for a drink at the end of the night and um there's the you know drag queen comedy and then you come up speaking about infertility is there just is, how much of a just what is going on in this this is this is a weird conversation in a weird place what is going on here how much of that affects how people respond to to what you're talking about definitely i think it the most difficult crowd i've had have been sub 25 cuz they're in that point where they're told if they have sex they're going to get knocked up So the idea that people can't have babies is not even on their radar. They're not even at that point. They're just living their best life. Yeah. (laughs) So the, when I, my other joke about like what there's three people, things people say to make themselves feel more comfortable, that joke fell dead at this one place. I had sub 25 people, like no one laughed and it went, and I just like, it's like, so just so you know, I know you guys aren't at that point now, but when your friend tells you they're they're struggling with infertility, you don't need to say anything. Just support them. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this has gone really deep. Okay, back to the sleep. <laughs> 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 so it's, I think it's that people, it's about where people are in their life experience. So my best audience is a parent, but a parent isn't necessarily going to be at an open mic. Yeah, yeah. Because it's weekdays, it's, like my husband couldn't even come to my showcase because we couldn't get a sitter that night. Like just couldn't. So my audience, so I always remind myself that even if people don't laugh, the people who will laugh 
are going to be the minority because not as many parents are out or people whose kids are out of the house or something. And even then, just because people don't laugh doesn't mean people aren't. Because at the worst, like, you know, especially in a club, the worst thing is if some people start talking over you, then you know you've lost them. And I haven't had that happen yet. So I feel that's my gauge. If people laugh, yeah. laugh, don't laugh. But if people start having side conversations, then I know that I have lost them. And that's, they're, yeah. they're being rude, but also there's something wrong with my comedy. Do you feel like there might be a gap if you feel like your target audience is is parents who not can't necessarily get that? Do you do you? I guess how how could you reach those people potentially? So I do have other topics. So I have done so one of my so uh, in our comedy course, I said to try to have three different topics, so at least one of them hits people. So even though that may not be my most enjoyable one. So I do have one, so the cost of living crisis, I have done, I have that bit and it is attached to being a parent, but I made it with, um, so as a bit goes that, um, so the conservative kind of equivalent to the Republicans are more Democratic because Republicans are so far right. But anyways, so the Tory government here had recommended last year that people should get a second job if they want to make, if they aren't making ends meet. And this is before the cost of living crisis. So yeah. it was like, I'm following the Tories' advice. I'm getting a second job. Uh, I w- anyone here been on the government skills assessment website? Okay, I'm the only desperate one. Well, they made an interesting suggestion. Freelance terrorists. I know it's a bit surprised too, but I realize it ticks all the boxes. I can take my kid on jobs, role variety, and I get to monetize my privilege. <laughs> I already I already breathe through security, but at a pregnancy and a toddler, I'm a VF fucking B. And then it goes on talking about um, that no one would believe me blowing up stuff. Uh, one of the reasons I've done this bit is a because there is there is that people try to make ends meet, so it does make it relatable that getting a second job. So I've tried to get those pieces in. And then my other newer bit is about coming back from um, COVID and how I can't tell men in my workplace apart and putting it down to um, limited style choices is the impact of toxic masculinity. So I dig into um, guys having no variation in what they wear. So here's my last question for mm-hmm. you. I know with the course, there was just kind of the expectation for that one showcase at the end, right? Like hey, mm-hmm. by the end of this, you're going to do your five minutes. Yeah. So, you know, beyond that is kind of up to you. So you're coming off the stage, the end of your Mm -hmm. five minutes, your first show. How are you feeling? What and what do you think is kind of your next step? It's done. Got through it. Didn't forget my words. I think that was my biggest fear was forgetting, forgetting my spot, just being a deer in headlights. And I had no idea how long I'd been because I... I, a, I missed the signal that there was a signal. I didn't even know there was a signal. <laughs> I asked that now. I asked when I go to a new place, like, so what's the signal? And is it 30 seconds or a minute that you're signaling me? It's so I was, exa- I was, I was happy it was done. I was surprised that I didn't forget my spot. I was really happy. I could have my pint now. Cause I just got my reward. Cause I'd been, I'd finished. So I got my beer. Sat in the back, watched everyone else. I didn't expect to do any more. It was just that I did it, done. None of my friends, actually, it's a funny thing. None of my friends showed up 
and my husband wasn't able to show up to my show because so I had no one I knew in the audience. Yeah. So my expectations of anyone coming to my shows were just like, well, if people didn't come to my showcase, why would they come to anywhere else? <laughs> like, yeah. But they did. Now they do. Like I have at least most shows, I have one friend show up. That's and I actually had 10 people from my running club. It surprised me. So I had the most bring, it was a, so a bringer night. So a bringer night is where everyone is responsible for bringing at least one audience member. So it was a bringer. I had someone lined up to be my bringer from the running club, but then someone else from the running club found out I like, it was that night. They're like, we want to come. And so I'm like, oh, you're here. And they ended up being 10 people. And I ended up being the subject of, well, Rebecca Sangster Kelly and all her running club uh, uh, by the MC the rest of the night. Um, so no, I've been really heartened by the support from friends and work colleagues and people who've wanted to come out. And actually it's like, I would actually, Zane, I'm going to challenge you to go do an open mic in your local area because it's a cheap night out. Usually there's no cost, at least in Britain, there's most of them do not charge. And if it is, it's at the end of pay what you think it was worth. Yeah. But it's a good interesting night out and you can see some really shit stuff and some amazing things 